Well, good morning. It's nice to be here this morning. The last time that I was scheduled to speak, I, I got sick and wasn't able to. So I'm glad I'm able to be here this morning. Um, exactly a month ago, I was at the International Holistic Missions Conference up in Phoenix. There were several folks from here that were a part of that conference. And um, Brian Benz, who's the person who lives here in Tucson, um, helps to put that conference together, had asked me ahead of time um, if I would do a workshop for the leadership track on humility. And I said, sure. Um, over the last seven years of working for Christian unity in our city, um, humility is at the heart of all of it. So I said, absolutely, would be happy to do that. Well, it was about a week before the conference that I started thinking, who's going to come to a workshop on humility? <laughs> uh, those who come probably don't need it, and those who don't probably do. And uh, <clears throat> whose lame idea was this anyway? <clears throat> and then it, it crossed my mind that perhaps he wasn't thinking about the people who might come. Maybe it was for me that he asked me, to do this workshop, um, I'm going to share some of the things that are uh, that I shared there, and, and a little bit different, but parts of that um, here this morning. Um, when Pastor Chris asked if I would uh, I would share this week, um, he was offering earlier this week to help me with my PowerPoint. Um, he models servant leadership in so many ways. One of the many things that we can be thankful for here in this congregation. Um, even when the week that his daughter's getting married, he's asking if he can help me with my PowerPoint. Um, and then I happen to think it could be because he's seen the kind of PowerPoints that I create <laughs> on my own. It might not just be servant leadership. Um, it takes a village to help me make a presentation. And uh, the, the, the presentation that I had for the missions conference was really, really humble until Tasha stepped in and rescued it. So anything that you like, I promise it was not mine, it was hers. <laughs> I was surprised um, at that conference, at the room full of people that showed up. Could be that maybe there's a hunger for humility that's deeper than I thought there might be. Um, in August um, of this year, in August of every year, there's a leadership summit, global leadership summit, Willow Creek Community Church up in Chicago is the one that started it, and now it's simulcast all over the world. I think it's in 300 sites or something like that around Tucson. I've probably, uh, 300 sites around the country, and then I don't even know how many countries around the world. Um, I can't remember how many of them I've been to, but it's at least 15. For a while, I drive up to Phoenix for it, and now it's been in Tucson for the last eight or so years, and Every year that I can remember, Bill Hybels starts off and says, armed with enough humility, we can learn from anyone. <laughs> and then uh, this leadership summit brings together Christian leaders, but also business leaders and education and government, all of whom are faith-friendly, but not all of whom are Christians themselves. And so he'll usually go on and elaborate and say, armed with enough humility, business leaders might even be able to learn from pastors. And armed with enough humility, pastors might even be able to learn from business leaders. 
I think that's going to be especially true this year, um, the 2018 Global Leadership Summit. You may have heard some of the controversy and some of the mess that's taking place. And uh, um, that would be another story if we wanted to. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see um, what the turnout is um, because it's a reason not to come. But humility says we can learn from anyone in any situation. Well, I mention that not only because it's a valuable tool that's coming up, but the speaker that of the years that I've been going has been the most um, recurring faculty member for the staff of these leadership summits. I've heard him at least a half dozen times is Patrick Lencioni. And he shared in 2016 that uh, he was very surprised, a topic that he hadn't even thought was that worth talking about. Um, he'd put it into a book, and it became the best-selling book of the, I don't even know how many books he's written, and it's called The Ideal Team Player, and he talks about three different characteristics that he used for many, many years. If he was going to hire somebody for his business and consulting organization, these were the three characteristics that he looked for. The first one is humble, humility. Um, the second one is hungry, and by that he means somebody who has some ambition and drive, somebody who wants to keep learning, who wants to do their best. They're hungry to keep improving. And then the last one is smart, and he's talking about people smarts, not intellectual smarts. He wants somebody with good people skills. And he says if you have those three characteristics together, that's the ideal team player, and that's who he looks for. Um, the fun part of this presentation, I'll just do this really quick, is um, if you don't have all three, but just one or two. So if we go to the next slide, um, if all you have is humility, you're a doormat or a pawn. Now, I will argue that that slightly misunderstands humility, but I understand what he's talking about. Um, if all you have is hunger or ambition, you're a bulldozer. <laughs> and if all you have is people smarts, you're a charmer. Um, if you have humble and hungry together, but no people skills, you are the accidental mess maker. <laughs> um, if you are humble and good people skills, but no drive, you're the lovable slacker. <clears throat> and if you're uh, very ambitious and hungry and you've got great people skills, but no humility, you're the skillful politician. We, we need all of them together, and, um, and humility is the secret sauce behind each of them. I'd like us to take a look this morning at Philippians chapter 2, first 11 verses, and um, I'm going to read that for us as kind of a basis for much of what we'll be talking about here this morning. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I'll have it up on the screen, or you're welcome to... Use your own Bible or find it on your phone. First four verses. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, 
Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, that first paragraph, those first four verses, um, if you had to sum up into one phrase, what's the topic that Paul's trying to address? What would that be? I would say it, he's addressing our unity, our relationship with one another. And humility is at the heart of it. The next part goes into where that humility is going to come from. Who's going to be our best example for that? And it's actually one of the earliest um, biblical scholars recognize this as one of the earliest Christian hymns that Paul brought into his letter. And so since it was an early Christian hymn and it was either read or sang together in worship type settings, I'd like us to read it together as well. So it'll be up on the screen. Hopefully you're able to see that. Those of you who can, um, let's read it together. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There's a a key principle that shows up in this passage that shows up in many, many other places all throughout the scripture. Those who humble themselves will be exalted, And those who exalt themselves will be humbled. So which one sounds better? (laughs) Um, Delayed gratification. um, It's not all that appreciated, but it would be wise. (laughs) Everything starts with humility. (laughs) Um, Salvation itself starts with humility. It starts with Jesus' own humility. The person with the least reason ever to be humble humbled himself to the greatest degree, all the way to death, even death on a cross. That's what makes salvation possible, is Jesus' own humbling of himself. But it's the same thing on our side. If we're going to receive that gift of salvation, that requires humility too. We have to come to that place where we recognize there is a God and it's not me. (laughs) That's a humble place. That's where salvation starts. I find it interesting that Paul um, is, I don't know if he's directly quoting Jesus or not, but Jesus says almost exactly the same thing as this passage from Philippians, except he reverses the order. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22 Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day 
be raised to life. That's the second half of that Philippians passage, just in a little bit shorter version. And then he says, um, in terms of your relationship with each other, um, if you want that, you're going to need to do the same thing. Verse 23, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Nobody enjoys the cross. Jesus himself prayed, Lord, if it's possible, would this cup pass for me? Humility is like a daily death to self. It's, it's not easy. Now, it's worth it, but it is not a simple thing to do. Salvation itself, though, starts with humility. Jesus' humility and with ours. Jesus' teaching starts with humility. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew that we're in the process of studying as a church with occasional breaks like the, today, um, in the Gospel of Matthew, the, the way that Matthew has constructed his Gospel, the very first teaching words out of Jesus' mouth are in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And the first words of the Sermon on the Mount are in the Beatitudes, and the first of the Beatitudes is, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the humble, blessed are the broken, blessed are those who are so desperate that unless somebody comes and intervenes to help them, they will not be helped. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And all the rest of the Beatitudes, we're not going to go into this today, but all the rest of them flow out of that first one. They're actually sequential. They all trace back to that one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus' teaching is founded and based and starts with humility. Unity starts with humility. Um, over the last seven years in, in, in working for this, I, my favorite way of describing my job is to see Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 answered in Tucson, Arizona. John 17 is my employer for Tucson just writes the checks. Um, <clears throat> but uh, unity starts with humility. And I've thought many times, why of all the things that Jesus could have prayed for, um, why, why didn't he pray for, for humility <laughs> um, amongst his followers? Why unity? Well, I wonder if it could be that humility feels internally like a death to self. It feels like taking up your cross daily. That's kind of, in fact, what it is. But when a group of people are doing that, what it looks like to the world is unity, love for one another. Humility to the world in a group of people looks like unity. It looks like love for one another. Unity goes as far as humility takes it. Um, unity is at the heart of Jesus' prayer at the most important juncture of human history. Um, a person who I love more than anyone else and respect more than anyone else suggested that perhaps I might not want to teach on unity this morning since I'm starting to sound like a one-trick pony. But um, I'm going to anyway. Who, who might that be? I wasn't going to call her out, but... <clears throat> Um, I'm not going to share the same thing that I've shared in the past, but I, it's going to be related. Um, and it's because, you know, if, of all the things that Jesus could have focused on, if he focused on this, I suspect 
we could spend a long time and never reach the bottom of what Jesus thought was the most important thing to pray for. So today I want to look at it through the lens of humility. And I think that we just don't take Jesus seriously enough. Um, I've got one of the key verses of John 17 up on the screen. And uh, if we look at that again, um, is there anything that we would want more for our own kids than to know who Jesus is, which is what Jesus prays? He says, may we be brought to such perfect unity that the world would come to know that you sent me, who, who I am, and that you love them just as much as you love me. Is there anything we would want for our kids more than that? That they would know who Jesus is and that they would know how much God loves them. It would change everything. Is there anything we would want more for our neighbors? Is there anything we would want more for the people of Southeast Asia or any other place that we care about in the world than those two things? I, I don't think of anything that's a higher priority than that. And Jesus says it flows out of unity and unity is only going to go as far as humility takes it. If we would take that more seriously, what impact would it have on the number of broken families that we have in our culture? What impact would it have on the number of church splits that we experience over and over again? If we understood what Jesus was praying for, that he, he says, make them one as you and I are one. So it's not uniformity, it's not identical, but it's aligned. If we would understand that better, we would be less likely to stay in our little huddles and cliques where we find people who already believe everything just like we do. And we'd be more likely to align with folks who worship the same Lord, but in totally different ways. And we would learn and grow out of that. The better translation for, for unity is actually harmony, where you got a lot of different voices, but all under the same conductor. He's not praying for unison, he's praying for harmony. So I want to take a look at uh, how Jesus prays that this unity would happen just briefly and show that humility is at the heart of every piece of it. Last time that I did share here, I, I pointed out the four petitions of John chapter 17. There's four things that he prays. And the first three are what create the last one. Glorify the Son is his first petition. Protect us from the enemy. Sanctify us in the truth. And if we do that, it's literally our GPS for unity. It's how we experience the unity that is the theme of the whole prayer. So the first one, glorify the Son. That is a petition of humility. Jesus, would you be glorified instead of me being so worried about my own glorification? How many conflicts would change? How many conflicts would be resolved almost from the get-go if, if everybody's heart was about what would glorify you in this Instead of, what is it that I want? <laughs> that would make a difference in conflict in any situation. Um, protect us from the enemy is the second petition. Um, as a pastor of a church here in town for 21 years, I'd often have the opportunity to teach youth or kids or adults on the topic of faith. And one of my favorite questions to ask was, what do you think is the opposite of faith? So I'll ask you too. What do you think is the opposite of faith? Somebody, I heard somebody say fear. Unbelief, okay. Pardon? 
Hate. Sight. Okay. Doubt. I, I, I'm surprised it took that long. I was waiting for somebody to say doubt. <clears throat> um, and uh, sorry to throw you under the bus, but I don't think doubt is the opposite of faith. <laughs> um, it's usually the first one that people say. Um, but doubt, doubt and faith go together. Faith is trust in God, and it's often in the presence of doubt. I trust you even though I don't believe. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. That is a statement of faith. I would argue that, uh, for at least for myself and for many that I know, um, the opposite of faith in Jesus is faith in myself. <laughs> it's self-reliance. That's the biggest enemy to faith. It's self-reliance. Um, that's my signature sin, the one plenty that aren't fit for public consumption. I got plenty of them. <laughs> And all the rest of them are doing a great job in helping on the humility front. But uh, the, the self-reliance is the one that I have to keep battling. A couple of weeks ago, John O'Hare was teaching, and I jotted down one of the comments that he made. Um, God is at work in your lives to wean you off of trusting yourselves. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> but isn't that true? God is at work in our lives to wean us off of trusting ourselves. Um, his message, and when he went and talked about the pain that we may have experienced in our life and all the self-reliant ways that we try to battle that, um, that later that afternoon, we already had his book. I appreciated the fact that he was humble enough to suggest that we might want to read his book. That's actually, truthfully, a statement of humility. Um, I appreciated that. So I went home and we pulled it out. I hadn't read it yet and have f been finding it very helpful because it's led to yet another awareness on mine that I've got some deep pain issues from my own family of origin stuff that I've got to be humble enough to ask for some help on. <laughs> this last week was very helpful in that regard too. Yet another reminder that, Dave, you're going to have to pay attention to this going to have to start being humble enough to get some help. Protect us from the enemy is a petition of humility that says, God, I need your help. I can't do this myself. I cannot fully protect myself or anyone that I love from the enemy. I need your help and your intervention. That is a petition of humility. Sanctify us in the truth. I love the fact that the key New Testament image for the church is the body. The church is the body of Christ. And that is an analogy for unity. <laughs> the body has all these different parts, and they're not alike. In fact, that's by design. They all have built-in strengths. They all have built-in weaknesses. If any part thinks that it's the whole body, it's grossly mistaken. <laughs> There's dual sins here. We can try to make everyone else like us. That would be the sin of pride. That would be the sin of commission, commission. Um, but then isolation is just as serious, where we isolate ourselves from everybody else. That's the sin of omission. And then we get to keep all of our blind spots. <laughs> when we isolate from parts that are different from ours, we don't ever learn anything new. We just keep all of our blind spots. Humility doesn't mean downplaying our part of the body. 
In fact, humility and hungry of Patrick Lencioni's, they go closely together. We should want to do our part at the very, very highest level. That's part of what it means to be humble. But recognize that our part is not where our identity is. Our identity is in the head. And so we need all the other parts too. We want to do our part to its highest level possible, but recognize that it's always and only just one part. Our identity is in the head in Jesus. Best definition I've ever seen of humility comes from C.S. Lewis. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. (laughs) It's not about me. (laughs) See, all the time that I'm beating myself up, guess what? I'm still thinking about me. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's just, it's not about me. (laughs) Humility leads to unity, which leads to maturity. I'll go through this really quick. Ephesians chapter 4, I think the whole chapter is talking about this. The, The theme, the sum, the high point of it shows up in verse 13. Paul's been talking about the different Um, leadership gifts in the body the purpose is to equip the body until verse 13 we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ how mature does god want us to be until the whole body starts to look like christ himself that's how mature How's that going to happen? It's going to come through unity. And how's unity going to happen? It's going to come through humility. That's the whole chapter. Look at the beginning of it in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he goes into another of those early Christian hymns. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. Humility is a prerequisite for unity, and they're both prerequisites for maturing in the Lord. Well, we got it. If there's going to be a teaching on humility, there's got to be some practicality to it. A sermon on humility that doesn't get very practical is worth not very much. If all we can do is pass a test on humility, then sound very humble. <laughs> so what are some humility indicators? Well, here's a few. How much do you pray? One of my mentors years ago, I've never forgotten it, said, uh, no matter how humble you are, um, your prayer life, or how humble you think you are, your prayer life will tell you. Um, if, if you pray occasionally, um, then you're letting God know, I, I got it, Lord, I'll check in if I need something, but we got it covered. <laughs> or if your prayer life sounds like a meeting between the boss and the employee, but you're the boss, <laughs> giving God his instructions for what he needs to do that day. <laughs> Ouch. Had a lot of prayer sessions that sound like that. 
God, I need you to do this, 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 and this. Check back with me and let me know how you did. (laughs) That's kind of what it sounds like. How much do you collaborate with others? See, the the people that we think have the answers are going to be the people that we talk to. If, if it's God, we'll spend more time talking with God. If we recognize that others have some of the answers that we don't have, we'll spend time collaborating with them. But if we think we have all the answers ourselves, we'll just do it ourselves. How often do you join something that somebody else started? If, it's all, if, if unity and humility and maturity all start with glorifying the Son, then we're just as enthusiastic about joining something that somebody else started as we are when we start something ourselves and try to get everybody else to join us, and we end up, a lot of it ends up being about us. How often do you become aware of another of your blind spots, something that you didn't know that you didn't know? If it's been a while since you've had one of those realizations, you need to get out more. <laughs> Spend some more time with some folks who worship the same Lord but in a totally different cultural experience and then say, help me understand your perspective that's so different than mine. How transparent are you? Oh, we can spend so much of our time trying to show the people around us that we've got it all together when we know that we don't. (laughs) How transparent are you? How thankful are you? How much time do you spend thanking others for the great job that they're doing, building a culture of honor, looking for people to thank God for and to thank yourself directly? How often do you serve without recognition? How eager are you to ask for help? I think all of those are are humility indicators. So if humility is the secret sauce, how do we get more of the secret sauce? Um, have you ever heard somebody say it's very, very unwise to pray for patience? <laughs> um, can you imagine praying for humility? Would anybody ever have enough courage to pray for humility? That sounds very, very scary. Um, life events have a way, not always, but they can have a way of helping us get more of the secret sauce. Three of the hardest conflict conversations that I've had in years have been Thursday, Friday, and yesterday of this week. Three totally different environments and three really tough, conflict-ridden conversations. It's amazing how rapidly my prayer life grows in those kind of hard, hard times. Life events can do that. But see, here's the really interesting thing, and this is where we want to end. Humility is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's something that the Holy Spirit does in us. None of us can provide a list that says, do these three things and you'll be humble. It's it's not something ultimately that we can do for ourselves. I can't make myself humble. But the interesting thing is the Bible almost never says that we're supposed to be humble. What it says is that we're supposed to humble ourselves. There are actions that we can take. It, all those scriptures, if we go to the, the next, should be up there. All those scripture references, Old and New Testament, every one of them, none of them say be humble. They all say humble yourself. 
both Old Testament and New Testament, both Hebrew and Greek, the word has the connotation of going low. You can choose to go low. And you will be humbling yourself. When we humble ourselves, God will do the heart work of making us more humble people. And so we can go back to that same list of humility indicators, and they're also humility creators. <laughs> um, we can choose to spend more time in prayer. Um, maybe the place that we start is, Lord, I'm so sorry for my lack of humility. I need more humility. I, I am so sorry. I need you as my Savior. We can choose to collaborate with others. We can choose to join something that somebody else started. We can choose to hang out with different kind of folks so that our blind spots get revealed. We can choose to be more transparent and choose to make thankfulness a discipline. We can choose to look for opportunities to serve at home and at work and around the Christian community in our city. We can, um, we can ask for help in all the places that we know that we need it. All of those are actions that we can take. The, the real question when it comes to humility is, how low can you go? <laughs> That's the question. Um, Janice, if you want to bring the worship team up, I want to, as we get ready to observe Jesus' own humbling of himself and take that into ourselves. I've got an invitation for you. In fact, it's, it's an encouragement. I don't have the authority to make it a requirement, but it's an encouragement. <clears throat> um, there's got to be some place in your life right now where you know that you need some help. If, if you can't think what that is, that's it. <laughs> I need help because I don't think I need help. <laughs> there it is. <clears throat> um, the encouragement is during this time of communion, um, would you be transparent enough to share that with somebody and ask them to pray for you? Maybe, uh, maybe you want to do that after the service where you've got a little bit more time and not do it during the songs itself. That's totally up to you. But would you be willing to be transparent enough to not only ask somebody else for help, but ask the Lord together for help? Pray with somebody else. Pray your need and ask somebody else to join you in that. That's the invitation. Can I pray for you? God, we thank you for humbling yourself for us and giving us the example that starts everything. Thank you for this gift of yourself through this meal and this gift of community. God, would you draw us closer to each other, not only through the meal, but through our time of prayer and conversation with one another. We pray in Jesus' name.